at every turn as we walk uh, with Christ. Our passage from uh, last Sunday, from the beginning of chapter 2, I want us to uh, say that um, together. From uh, chapter 2, verse nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. As we talked last week, it's uh, in the journey towards joy, to find joy at every turn. It's as we develop, or as God develops in us, that attitude that is in Christ Jesus. That uh, process that is called discipleship, where, where we become more and more like Christ in our attitude, what's going on within us, in as we memorized this last week and sought to live out a humility, a humility that we find and see in Him. Well, it's this whole journey, this, this whole purpose of, of being transformed to be more like the character of Jesus that is the very purpose of the church. For the, the community that the Spirit gathers together in Christ, gathers together in order to give ourselves to God so that He continues to form in us that same attitude that was in Jesus. And what we'll see today as we look at the next part of Philippians chapter 2 is how, one of the ways that we participate in that. And the very significance, the necessity of us participating and making an effort on our part to join with God's effort in us that will lead to a joy as he continues to transform us into the character of Christ. The passage this morning then is Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 12. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your written word. Thank you as it speaks to us of your truth, your goodness the love of Jesus, and we now submit ourselves to your truth and ask that your spirit would indeed have his way in our very souls, in our lives, in us as a community of faith. Speak to us. We need you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 12 will be on your screen or you can find it on page 954 in your pew Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, 
I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, sometimes you just struggle and struggle with a title for a message, and this was one of them. Yeah, and it even got me in trouble because I don't believe joy is a product of PNG. And so I know that can get me in a lot of trouble. But as we look at the passage, it just really works together. So forgive me this one time, that indiscretion. For God does wrap things up. What, what God starts, God finishes. God completes what He has begun in us. As we looked at in the very first passage in Philippians, that what God has started in us, God will bring to completion. And here, what we, what we hear from, from God, what we hear from Paul as he's writing to the Philippians, and God's the one who's going to be working it all out while you're in the middle of it. And we'll come to the end at how we see in the midst of God's working in us His salvation. That it's joy really is what cleanses our soul. It is joy, choosing joy is, is the way that we participate in what God is doing and is changing us on the inside out. So I want us just to walk through this passage, starting with uh, um, our uh, verse uh, 12 and, and 13, that first paragraph. And, and a phrase that may even catch us a little off guard there at the end of verse 12. That we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let's just hang there for a moment. This is a, a, a good teaching point about salvation. Because in, in our heritage, we can think of salvation as a one-time event. You know, the day that we walked the aisle at the crusade, or the day that we signed on the back of the chick track, or the day that we prayed with a counselor somewhere that Jesus would come into our heart. As we celebrated last week with Noah Desh, as he shared with us at camp, inviting God into his heart. But biblically, salvation is not a one-time event. It's not a punctiliar event, something that just happens in point in time. Salvation is... Has, is past, present, and future. Salvation is indeed something that we live out. You, you hear in the writings of the New Testament, we were saved, past tense, on that day, on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, we are being saved, as our passage here today. And Paul also says, and one day we will be saved when Jesus returns. So salvation is not something that's just a one-time thing, but it's something that we are living out. We are working out in our lives. Salvation is real in us today. It's not. It's certainly, this is a great correction on the thought that salvation is just about our fire insurance. Now that, that, that we get our ticket punched to heaven. Salvation in Christ is a way of life and one that requires our effort, our intentionality of participating in what God is doing in our life. What a way that we cooperate with God. 
And we do so in fear and trembling. That actually is sort of like a phrase. It's sort of like you hear a lot of people say today, you know, I gave 110%. It's just impossible to give 110%. Unless, of course, it's beyond us. And then it's God who isn't bound by logic. And through Him, we give even 110% in living out our salvation. So it's not a picture here of work out your salvation with fear and trembling because a day is going to come when you're going to be judged and you need to be scared of that day. That's not what Paul is getting at. What he's saying is work it out with fear and trembling because it is the most significant element of your life. It is the the thing in which your, your life should be planned around working out your salvation in your everyday life. It is that significant. And it's why I'm so excited about the change in schedule for the fall for us. A way that we are ratcheting up what we're expecting of one another. What we as church are going to do together. That that on Sunday mornings we're going to gather together to worship God together in song and prayer and the Word. And then we're going to gather together in different places uh, around the campus in order to gather together specifically in smaller groups to, to hear instruction on the Word and to interact around it. Because what we know is that it's easy to, easy to come in, can be easy, sure it's not the case for anybody here, but can be easy to come in just sort of slide in the pew and then slide out of the pew and just sort of check off church. Versus, and, and that is really an atrocity for us if we let that happen. Because if you do that, if we do that, we're missing out on working out our salvation in fear and trembling. We're just doing church. And so we're we're ratcheting up and saying we're going to come and and gather here together. And then we're going to gather for another hour in in smaller groups and different classes that you'll be hearing about in the next several weeks. And there we're going to interact, we're going to have instruction and interaction together to to continue because what we know is that we work out our salvation in fear and trembling as we gather together to, to praise God and to gather around His Word and to share our lives in Jesus together. The expectation for that time is that we will put in at least two hours. And my hope, my, my really challenge is that everybody will put in three Spend two hours in receiving and one hour in giving. Plenty of opportunities in which uh, to give in that hour. If it's teaching a class or with the children or helping to set up the, the, uh, the rooms. Because this is so important and significant. We're going to change the Sunday morning schedule so that we're able on Sunday morning to incorporate all those different elements together. Now... This is not, Paul's not teaching here, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not salvation by works. It's not, I have to be good enough. But it is a recognition that we cooperate with the work of God in our very souls to transform us into the character of Jesus. And that's, that's so thankful for the rest of the passage and the part of the passage that is our memory verse for this week. 
For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. This is the good news, friends. It's not about us making ourselves better. It is about us surrendering to God's power within us. It is about us gathering together around His Word. It is about us singing His praises together, encouraging and supporting one another. It is about us being a community filled with the Spirit. It's God's power of the Spirit that is working in you and in me, changing us to be more like Jesus. Changing our attitude and character to be more like Jesus. say this regularly, but I believe it's crucial that we understand that that is the ultimate purpose of God in your life and mine and in ours together. That's it. The ultimate purpose is to make us more and more like Jesus. Everything else is secondary. Everything that happens in our lives, God will and can use towards that purpose if we cooperate with Him. Even the most atrocious evil God can use for good. That's the whole point of the cross, isn't it? And the resurrection. Now, God may not work in our lives to give us a great three-point jump shot. I mean, God knows I prayed a whole lot that I would grow about another six, eight inches. That would have really helped a lot on the football field. And he's not going to necessarily change us physically or our particular skills and abilities that we want to to change to be the greatest artist or to be the, the, the smartest person in the family. And with teenagers, that's quite an accomplishment to be the smartest person in the family. But what he promises that he will do And this is the one who created something where there was nothing. This is the one who with his voice said, let there be light. And light appeared. What he promises to do in you and in me is to change us. To be more and more like Christ. Within our own personalities, within our own physical limitations. But he will change the very core of our being To continue to be more and more like Christ. To have His character and His attitude as we cooperate. As we gather to worship Him. As we learn together. As we make steps of of love and service towards others. His Spirit fills us and continues to change us. It's beyond our ability to even comprehend and to even know. It's, It's like physically growing. I mean, did anybody try to physically grow? Is anybody saying to your hair, grow, to your heart, beat? But as we eat, as we take things in, those things happen. And the same thing is true spiritually. As we are fed in those different ways, God's Spirit, we cooperate with God's Spirit and He works through us to change us. Now, Paul then goes on, knowing that that's the case. Knowing that we... So therefore, friends, we have no excuse. We cannot say, well, I'm just not able to be more loving. 
If the Spirit of God rests in us, then yes, we are able. Or if we're not able, it's because God is able in and through us to continue to change us, no matter our position and station in life. We don't arrive until we see Him face to face. But Paul, knowing, so what is it? What is it, the the one thing, maybe it's going on in the Philippians, and maybe the one thing that can really prevent us then from from cooperating with God is then verse 14. Do all things without murmuring and arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. He knows from the beginning the, one of the key ways that happens even in the first century church and still happens today, a way that we hinder the work of God. A way that, that, that we can get in the way of what God is doing in us individually and in us as a church is by murmuring and arguing with one another. That's why he tells us, don't do that. If you catch yourself doing that, complaining and arguing and murmuring, then stop. Laugh at yourself, do what you need to, and and look then for the joy. Because remember, God is at work in everything in us to make us more like Christ. So when we are complaining and arguing and murmuring, that's a good sign to us. It's a red flag. Oh, stop. Okay, God. What are you doing now? What are you doing in me that you're changing me? That you're transforming me? What, what experiences have you brought across my path so that you can use this to make me more and more like Christ? Anytime that we murmur and argue, it's a good sign that God may be working. Now obviously what Paul, maybe not so obviously to some, but what Paul is uh, addressing here is Israel coming out of Egypt. Remember that story? The Israelites, they were in Egypt as slaves. They they were totally submissive to an oppressive government. And they cried out to God. And God freed them from their slavery. Led them out of Egypt towards the promised land. And they got, they weren't even a day into it. And they got to the Red Sea and it was right before them. And here was a great opportunity of God's miraculous power to transform them and show them. And what happened? What are we told? After the people of God had been freed from slavery, these exact same words. They were complaining, murmuring, and arguing amidst themselves. Instead of celebrating the salvation that God had given them and looking ahead, what is God going to do with this body of water? How's He going to free us from slavery? Folks at Feast of Love and Tools for Schools could have done that. Karen could have done that this, this last week. Because the price on paper wasn't coming down and they needed to buy and they spent all the money, but they still needed, I forget how many billions of sheets of paper they still needed. But it was a lot. And so Feast of Love just said, well, we're just going to take some money from this other account and we're going to buy this paper. So that children will, when they start school, which they started this week, they'll have the paper they needed. 
And this week, Karen got a call from Kroger up the street to say that somebody from our store, this is how God can use Pharaoh, somebody from our store won the lottery. And so we as a store have $20,000. And we've chosen 10 different charities that we support as a, um, as a store to receive $2,000. And you're one of them. And what did they spend to buy the paper? $2,000. Amen. Now, we can. We, they could have chosen to sit, at that, to sit at the Red Sea and say, Woe is me. The people aren't giving enough. You know, we shouldn't have spent that money on that thing over there. Could have done that. Could have murmured and argued among themselves and forgotten that God was at work. And Paul knows, and he says it also in Ephesians and Thessalonians, that we have, I mean, the the nature of God does not invade us, but invites us. And we have the power, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, to grieve the Holy Spirit in our bickering and arguing and anger and malice. It's Ephesians 4.30 if you want to look that one up. Or in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, we have the power to quench the Spirit by not responding in joy and gratitude and prayer. So if the, the quickest way For us to hinder God's work in us is to live in our complaining. It's the quickest way. And it's why Paul tells the Philippians and while he tells us. And then he moves them to say, so don't complain, rejoice. Because the very work that is happening in you, the work that maybe you don't like, the work of transformation in your very soul is the work that God is doing and that he's promised to do. So take a look at that work and celebrate. Paul tells the church in Philippi, I do. I celebrate when God is at work in you. I celebrate when when these things happen that are hard and difficult and they're opportunities for us to submit to the way of God and to see how's God going to split the Red Sea this time. What is God doing inside of me? So rejoice, Paul says, for it's in joy that we're cleansed. It's in joy that our soul is cleansed, that our eyes are cleared, and we're able to see what God is doing in our midst. So two questions, two questions for you. How are you cooperating with God to transform you? How are you cooperating with God as He works to transform you? In in what ways are you intentionally working with Him? Obviously, you're gathered here gathered in prayer, gathered in study around His words. And the second is catch yourself when you complain. Catch yourself today, tomorrow. There's a whole movement, you know, the church in Kansas. Go 21 days without complaining. Then that forms a new habit. Spend the rest of August... Focusing 
on your words of your mouth and catch yourself when you're complaining and look in that complaining for what God is doing and turn that complaining into joy. Let God work in you for good. Now let's join together in our verse for this week, which is Philippians 2, verse 13. Let's say this together. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Amen. I don't know about you, but I sure did learn some new things this morning. Let's stand together and let's respond by singing Refiner's Fire.